that's that's the actual name of a lot of these yeah yep 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 rainish fiara i just like blue lagoon and power plant yeah exactly What social situations would Vikings be good at? And then we'll go into what social situations they'd be terrible at. Uh, one, I think Vikings would be really good. Uh, let's see. Any kind of pub related activity, social activity, basically drinking. Any drinking game. I imagine they'd be really good at drinking. Uh, I think they would be very bad at a tea party. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't believe uh, tea and biscuits would go well with the Vikings. No, fine dining is all around is not their thing. Yeah, I wouldn't um, imagine so. Yeah, you don't want to give them that many forks. It's just too many sharp objects for them to have. Yeah, uh, you're you're putting yourself at risk if you do that. I mean, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, <clears throat> I think obviously they're they would be great to like white water raft with. Oh yeah. That'd be yeah. a great situation to have a Viking with you. Yeah. Um, or a survival situation. Um, but also also bad, I think. I don't know. I think they would be willing to throw you under the bus, maybe. Or throw you off the raft. Or throw you off the raft. You're not family. And family, if, they're all like, yeah, I support you. If you're not pulling your weight, they're gone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what? Really funny, whenever they talked about Native Americans in Iceland, they very much talked about how they got along um, with, like, Native Americans. Okay. But in actuality, I mean, they're not as bad as Columbus, <laughs> but they're not much better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or really just with any of the, you know, they would conquer a place and then kind of integrate into the... The society? The society, yeah. Hmm. Uh, I imagine... That Vikings would be very confused at a high school graduation party. I okay. don't know that they would understand the concept of of, <laughs> of graduation in general. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, it's incredible like, how much they value uh, education in those cultures. Yeah, even though they really scarcely had a written language, like, yeah, if at all, <laughs> for such a long time. Yeah, like when enlightenment happened, they really took to it. <laughs> <laughs> it just took them a bit yeah uh yeah you know actually organized sports i'm not sure that they would get i, I think that's a fair one yeah like baseball could, they would be like why am i doing this could you imagine viking a team of vikings in a game of soccer no yeah that would i can't imagine how many deaths there would be <laughs> yeah i mean when your whole motto is die on the battlefield one team's not going to have a lot of fun, and I don't think it's going to be the Viking team. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of broken bones, a lot of contact. <laughs> a lot of unnecessary hitting, a lot yeah. of yellow cards. A lot of Real. yellow cards. No such thing as offsides. Yeah, that doesn't exist, and the referee that calls him offsides, he's gone. He's gone. He's disappeared. Speaking of, I watched the uh, women's uh, soccer against team. uh netherlands against well netherlands and even even against uh new zealand yeah the number of offsides that were called was yep. crazy and Insane the number amount. of them that are actually legit calls is not yeah, even was, half yeah it was there was like, a lot maybe of, half of those like... were good calls but the, but the issue is because the u.s is extremely aggressive on that a lot of times they're scoring goals so yeah. literally they like are canceling out you know 
I watched three goals happen, three goals on the USA scored against the Netherlands and they're all three were called back. And it was like, you gotta be kidding me. Cause one of them was a totally fair goal and they called it back. And I was like, you're, you're joking. You, you'd have no reason. Yeah. It was, Oh my God. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it, but uh, it you is know, it's it bad when they don't show the, the, like, when they the don't line, show the, the, the offsides yeah. camera that you're just like, yeah. yeah, they fucked that call up. They messed that call up. <laughs> well, sorry. USA still pulling through. Hey listeners, we are the Dude Scouts. We drink beers, talk about things, award made-up badges, and most importantly, never take ourselves too seriously. Check us out on Instagram, throw us a follow, and please subscribe on whichever platform you choose to listen to us on. Thanks for being a fan. Cheers. Welcome back for another episode of Dude Scouts. Andrew, how's it going? Mm, it is very warm right here because I am wearing my wool hat from Iceland. Very woolly. Yes. In honor of Senator Bernie Sanders, the meme-worthy mitten man yes. of the inauguration. Yes. I met him in the airport on the way back from Iceland. You got to tell me, how does this come to be? So he just happened to be flying back to Vermont and the the gate was C9 that he was at and our flight was out of C7. So right next to it. Exactly. Right next to it. And so literally my <laughs> my parents were sitting down just waiting and then suddenly two police officers come up and they're kind of like, what's going on? You know? And they're uh -huh. just kind of standing there and all of a sudden there's Bernie Sanders. Bernie friggin' Sanders just shows up wow and so i got a picture with bernie sanders you did yeah. you really really did which is like a really meta situation considering he loves to talk about nordic countries does he really <laughs> yeah he loves to talk about their education system and their medical systems and their kind of their communal sense of uh of self i guess okay they, they are they're all like individuals within this community and to thrive they have to like work together yeah kind of thing so he's all about that that's like his messaging so it's just super meta that i met bernie sanders in the airport in the airport yeah after a great vacation yep so what an awesome opportunity uh so andrew i gotta know what beer are you drinking now after you've you know gone on this great trip to iceland and seen bernie sanders <laughs> how are you gonna follow that up yeah how to, how to follow that up that's that's really tough um so i'm drinking a founders unraveled ipa ah so we are unraveling my journey on this episode that's what we're doing here yeah I, and i made that work this is just what i happen to have in my refrigerator <laughs> because you've been gone for the last week I've been gone for the last week and since I flew international, I need to like quarantine for a couple days or something like that. Um, uh -huh. And then get a, a, a negative COVID test before I can go out and do stuff. So absolutely. Very responsible. Very responsible. It's responsible drinking. Truly. Ber Bernie would approve. Yes. <laughs> Is this a Bernie approved episode? I would like to think so. <laughs> oh, uh, so I am drinking. Uh, and so actually I was kind of happy to find this. Uh, because the Olympics are happening right now and it's in Tokyo, I decided why not go with a Japanese beer. And the only Japanese beer that you can really get is Sapporo, served at all Japanese locations. Ooh, does that include Okinawa? 
<laughs> I I believe I believe so. All Japanese locations. Just just making sure. I just wanted to all, make sure. Yeah. All Japanese locations, even in the U.S. No, every, every single one of them will have Sapporo. What Japanese locations are in the U.S.? Uh, Chinese restaurants. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Way to back me into a corner there. <laughs> Shoot I'm sorry. Myself. Continue. Continue. <laughs> Shoot myself in the foot here. Mm. Anyway, so I am drinking Sapporo. It is the oldest beer in Japan, founded in 1876, and their headquarters out of Tokyo, Japan. So I figured with the Olympics happening in Tokyo, why not go with a beer from the source, from the place the Olympics is happening? Let's uh, support, you know, events happening currently. So why not? So Sapporo. Yeah, they're, they're doing very well. Uh, Japan, the yeah. home country is doing very well. I think they're in third right now for total medals. Total medals. Yeah. Home team advantage, baby. Oh, all right. So let's get into questions, Andrew. Do you want me to go first? Or do you, you got two, right? I've got two. Yeah. All right. Well, how about you go with your first one? So the first one would be, what would you say to Bernie Sanders if you had 30 seconds? Do you feel the burn? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, that's probably what I would say. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. I mean, he's the source, right? So yeah. it's like got to be third degree burns everywhere. <laughs> I, exactly. Like that's I, that's what I got to know. I, I'm not going to be smart enough to talk to him about. I'm not going to try to talk to him about world problems or U.S. problems. I'm not smart enough for that. Like the, he, mm-hmm. I could ask him questions on it, but I'm, he does that all day long. I, I'd rather just sit you down and have spice, a beer. Yeah, yeah. You'd want to like give him a curveball. That's just like <laughs> yeah, a happy surprise, right? Exactly. Like, Nobody's ever asked me that question. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody asks Bernie if he's felt the burn. Yeah. Oh, he's probably like, meh. (laughs) (laughs) What about you? Um, So my, my, my brother went before me in line. And so Bernie had asked him like, Oh, where, you know, where are you flying to? And he's like, Oh, Jake responded. Well, I just, my brother responded. Well, I just came back from Iceland. And so what I followed up with was, you know, because my brother and I look alike. Very alike. Yeah. Yeah. So I I just followed up with like, yeah, hey, we were just checking up on them for you. You know, they're doing good. (laughs) All right. Okay. You literally have less than 30 seconds. And most of that's, you know, taking a picture, taking a photo. Yep. Yes. All right. Wow. Yeah. People in the airport were all just like gawking. They were like, whoa, is that him? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, why not do that? uh yeah awesome well that i mean that's a super interesting thing to have happen mm-hmm. especially when you're not expecting it um uh, well my question okay so with the olympics going on mm-hmm. you have been summoned to participate in the summer games for your country what event do you think you'd have the best shot at and which to, to win a gold medal that is and which event would you fail in miserably <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. So I just, I, I want to crack open uh, a web page here so that we can list off some of the sports. Cause I, I have every, every time I watch the Olympics, I find out there is a new sport that yeah, I had no idea about. There's tons of sports. Yeah. I, you know, like air rifle, I had no idea that was a thing. Yeah. And that's like a winter and summer thing, I believe, or maybe just, yeah, it's super weird. Yeah. Um, you know, there's like equestrian sports. Yeah. I uh, honestly, I'd probably fail the most at that one. I don't Getting a horse think... to do what I want it to do. 
<laughs> I, I think there might be a couple more in there. That... I mean, oh, there's a lot. There's a lot. I'm just like, that's a very clear, clear one. I, I think you have a better opportunity at riding a horse versus a bunch of them. All right. So you're looking at all of the sports. Yeah. I'm talking just the summer games. I mean, there's some on here that, that like, oh, basketball probably couldn't do that. Well, yeah, but you could still do okay. You know what? The one I could probably do would be the luge. The I luge? That. Yeah. That'd you be could... winner, though. Again, that's winner. Look, I've luged before. It is it is harder than it looks. <laughs> it is so much harder than it looks. Luge is, yeah. I think that's kind of the point, though, is I don't think any of these are... <laughs> No, I don't think any of them are easy, right? Like, I don't think any of them are any of them are easy at all. But I mean, I think you could do okay at mountain biking. I could do okay at mountain biking. I could do I, that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think you'd be all right at that. Um, whew, I think it'd just be fun to see me lose to an Asian man in table tennis. Yeah, I mean, table tennis. You could look really stupid at table tennis. Yep. Um, <laughs> snowboarding, I would fail at. I cannot. <laughs> we, we've not we've tried this before. We You've seen me this. try this before. Yep. Yep. I am awful at snowboarding, skateboarding. Terrible at those. Could not do those. Taekwondo. <laughs> Get my ass kicked. Yeah, I mean... You think you got a you think you got a better shot at uh, basketball than you do taekwondo? I you know I'm not going to rank all of these, but I could <laughs> probably do like uh, I could probably do a triathlon, okay, um, in a respectable time. I think. Okay. Okay. I'm not saying like Olympic time. I'm just saying a respectable time. <laughs> oh. Um, you know, I like futsal. Couldn't do that. Um. I know how to play rugby, but I just don't think my body would be up for those hits. Not at the collegiate level? Not at the... Oh, sorry, dude, not at the Olympic level? Not at the Olympic level, no. <laughs> I couldn't even do it at the collegiate level anymore. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Uh, so. Yeah, there's a bunch of sports, and I was looking through them. And so the one sport that I chose that I thought that I could do all right in was badminton. Really? Okay. I figure I could do all right in badminton. I'm going to go ahead and agree with you on partners badminton but yes. i don't think solo no, you're gonna do good no. <laughs> solo anything i'm going down yeah but partners if i got somebody else i think mm-hmm. i think a little uh a little action could happen there volleyball i, th- I could do that i i could be one guy yeah. who's not pulling his weight on the six-man team yep, exactly <laughs> i have played a lot of volleyball uh in in college just is fun activity to do like I'm willing to throw my body into it, sacrifice my body for country. Yeah. But I'm I'm not gonna hit it and place it well. So hopefully some, you know, some professionals will be able to recover and really get us uh get us over over the net. The two sports that I picked for the worst, it was a tie between the two sports, diving and gymnastics. Ooh. Those are the two that I would look the dumbest <laughs> doing. Gymnastics. Oh my gosh. The rest uh, of them, I think I could do okay in. As in, like, yeah, clearly he's not an Olympic athlete, but he's, he, I mean, he's, he's giving it his best shot. I don't know. I would. I would like to see you do the floor mat routine. I oh. would love to see that. I would pay to see that. <laughs> it would be viewed on ESPN once a day for the next 20 years. It's just Logan's glowing attempt on the, fl- <laughs> on the mat. Uh, 
yeah, I would attempt the splits at one point. I'm pretty sure because why not? I mean, you know, I do, I do love this concept though. I, I saw, um, and I think this is what inspired your question. As I saw somebody post, uh, I think on Twitter saying, "Hey, you know, why don't we have average people do this? Yeah, like randomly selected, competing in the uh, Olympics. <laughs> yeah, I Which think is the Olympics. I think the Olympics should work like the Hunger Games. I think it should just be random people from your country assigned to random sports." And you yes. have two months to train for your activity. Oh my gosh, that would be amazing. Uh, it's like, well, that's similar to how um, there's only a few countries that do this, but there's a um, there's this concept of having a uh, citizens' congress, basically, or parliament, where essentially random people are selected. Okay, and then they would create legislation or draft legislation, basically based hmm. on just average random people selected yeah rather than as we all know you know wealthy people basically yeah yeah people with the money with <laughs> yes the, exactly the money the yeah monies <laughs> yeah i uh just watching the olympics got me thinking about what sports i could actually compete in up there versus which sports i have absolutely no chance of competing in yeah so i have to say that the mountain biking they do is pretty intense in the olympics oh, yeah i could do it i could i maybe i might crash once or twice but i will get through that fucking course <laughs> and you won't be the fastest out there but oh, you, no. you're gonna get through it like no also rowing you could do rowing okay i would get too tired my back would start to hurt and i would complain <laughs> he's really out there he stopped he's just talking to himself out there in the uh, middle like, of the water seems he's, like he's, he's just kind of drifting into the other lane he's now screaming at birds <laughs> <laughs> this guy this guy is an absolute joy to watch but man is he bad at sports do you know trampoline is a sport uh, yeah is that trampoline i think it's part of gymnastics okay yep yep but uh yeah so it uh it's one of those things where new sports are added all the time. Like skateboarding is now an Olympic sport, right? Yeah. I would, again, that would be my favorite. Yeah, like, that would be that one of the worst. That's a, that's a bad terrible. one. Yep. I, I'm cool with it being in the Olympics, but man, would I suck at that. Yep. But I do wish the Olympics were randomly assigned to random citizens of your country. Yep. Because then I think it would be a better tell of just your average day-to-day citizen, not your people that literally spend their entire life training to do that one sport. Yeah. Like, that's cool and all. Like, good for you. But... I think the Olympics should be more your general population people. Well, and actually there, there's something to that um, in honestly watching the men's sevens rugby mm-hmm. uh, Fiji wins. Like they yeah. won back to back gold medals and I've watched their training videos. They literally are just training on a beach. That's what their, they do. Their, their weights are like these rusty pieces of garbage, basically. They, it is not a high quality training facility. We would in the US or Europe, we would be bitching and complaining and refusing to train because of the state of the facilities. Yeah, because the field is too hard or it's yeah, they too... don't even have a level field to play on. Yeah. Literally, like they are playing on fields that have freaking holes in them and they are like killing it at at sevens they are amazing they are it's a super poor country like and yet they're taking home it's the only gold medal they take home it's rugby baby yeah so yeah no i i do think there's something to this not necessarily necessarily the average person i'm not just saying there's they pull random people that's how they do their process that's how fiji no i'm just kidding (laughs) this is random lottery um 
they're just born that good no uh but but just this idea that we have in our heads that it's like you know obviously they train really hard they 100 that's what they do um but it's like man that's not that's not what it takes necessarily in terms of like uh just these immaculate facilities yes and resources to get the job done it's, uh, that's not what it takes yeah yeah so that that was kind of my uh my take on the olympics i was just i just wish i could compete in the olympics it one comes time. down to the hard work yeah including the average Joe picked in the lottery who has two months to train. Yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> How hard that's, are you willing to work for it? Oh, if I got picked for that, mm, I'm going, I'm doing the issue, everything. The issue is like people, the countries like uh, the U S and like Britain and like some of Europe would really respect those rules. And like, yeah. I feel like Africa and South America, but then we know like other regions might not, they would pick like people yeah. who are really good. They might cheat a little bit. It's like, did you notice how half the Russian hockey team is like. <laughs> also the Russian uh, hockey, team? hockey team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Weird how a country how that happens. so many yeah. people gets that to happen. It's like, how is that random? <laughs> they have three full starting lines of professional hockey players. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, we, yeah, we know, we know there'd be a couple countries. So yeah. But I do think that would be pretty cool. What is your third or your second question, Andrew? Okay, so my second question is, oh, so how do you know that it's raining in Iceland? Is this a joke? Or is this... It is a joke, yeah. How do you know it's raining in Iceland? Uh, you see umbrellas? Your Icelandic stone is wet. That's apparently one of their jokes. It doesn't seem like it's that funny of a joke. Uh, did the Vikings not get jokes? <laughs> well... <laughs> They do have uh, another couple of funny sayings, though. Okay. Um, but basically, the stone is wet, so therefore it's raining. Like, that's that's the joke. Because it's always raining there. Oh. Yeah. Like, it'll literally just randomly rain for, like, 15 minutes for no reason whatsoever. Huh. Yeah. Um, anyway, so there's no bad weather. There are only bad attitudes. Ah, no. That one I can get behind. All right. So here's another question for you. How do you find your way out of an Icelandic forest? Uh, you look for wet stones <laughs> i like how you tried to tie that together uh no you stand up because there are no forests ah they cut them all down in the 13th century so that's such a shame yeah it used to be like 75 percent um forest but by the time they had reached i think the 1700s 15 1700s somewhere in there they were basically out of trees they had no cool. trees left damn yeah and it takes forever for a tree to grow there, right? So what happens is, obviously, a volcanic eruption happens. Yep. So you get all this layer of ash. Yep. And then it takes about 2,000 years for the moss to have grown on it, then die, then grow on it, then die, and then grass to also grow with the moss and then die to be able to support shrubs at that point. So it takes 2,000 years to be able to support a shrub. Yeah, that's going to take some time. To grow a, a tree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're talking like three to 5,000 years before trees start growing. They messed up by cutting down all the trees. Yep. They should have just lived in the under the wet stones. <laughs> they do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Okay. So we will get into our main topic today, which is Iceland. If you haven't already gotten to the point that we're talking about Iceland today, the yes. place of wet stones. Yes. That is their country motto. No, I'm just kidding. I have no idea. Wet what stones, no is. forests. <laughs> so um, I guess to start out, I'm going to talk about some of the different beers that I drank there. I love it. Right. So they have breweries there, um, but the difference is 
that most of those ingredients are imported. So there's only okay. a couple ingredients that they actually make. And I can't remember which they, which ones those are, but they're very, you know, it's like yeast or okay. something like that, you know. But again, all the raw ingredients pretty much comes from the U.S. or Europe. Got it. Um, so American hops in their IPAs, things like that. So the first beer we have here is the Einstuk Toasted Porter. Einstuk. Yep. Is that how you pronounce the O with? The, I have no idea. It might be Einstoke. I've. I. That's a great question. I did Einstock. not. Einstock. That might. That might be right. So we'll go with Einstock. Um. But anyway, so toasted porter tasted like a porter by itself. Drinking porters is awful without anything <laughs> to go with it. Nothing to pair with it. It did not taste good until the end of my meal, in which I had a rye ice cream. Oh, I can I could see that going really well. It together, was actually. great. It was a wonderful combo. Yeah, I, I literally would take like a tiny little spoonful of rye ice cream and then take a, a sip of the the toasted the porter. Yeah, well, yeah, I imagine rye ice cream with Einstock, Einstuck toasted porter. I imagine that's a pretty good combo there. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, the next one we have is the Ilfler India Pale Ale. Uh, right. This was pretty standard. It didn't, you know. Yeah, about six percent. Pretty standard IPA. It was Absolutely. a standard IPA. Yeah, but was I, it a good one? No, I, you know, I wouldn't say it was bad. I, I would say that they they uh, replicated the IPA well, right? They, ah, they okay. They met the metrics of the IPA. Got it. Now, would I say it's a standout IPA? Uh, I mean, it's not bad. It's not like bitter. You know, it wasn't just over overly yeah. bitter or anything like that. Um, so yeah, it was okay. It was, it was smooth. So nice. Uh, and then we have the Snorri. Uh, I think this is just a pale ale, honestly. Um, Iceland Skitsul. Yeah, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. <laughs> Logan just attempted, but I feel like it'd be an insult to their culture that, if I tried to pronounce it. <laughs> that is the kind of beer it is, is Iceland Skitsul. <laughs> that's, that's literally what the name says. It looks great in color. Looks very refreshing, easy drinking, but uh, cannot pronounce it. Yep. And this one right here is actually a, it's not an Einstuk or Stoke. It's a, it's actually a Bondi uh, India Pale Ale. And this one was really good. I did like this one. Okay. Nice. Um, it had, it had some different aromas in there and it, it was good. It was good. Just so our listeners know, I'm watching, uh, it's a screen share happening right now. So I'm looking at the pictures that Andrew is showing me. Mm. That is how I'm seeing them. He's not just getting really, really plastered right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the next one that I have here is the Bastard Amber. Bastard Brewing? There's really, it's an Amber Bastard, but it is Bastard Brewing ah, in Reykjavik. What a what a name for a Icelandic culture, kind of. It's actually a really cool place. They have a, a lot of paintings that are replicates of like, uh, I wouldn't say Renaissance paintings necessarily. They'd be kind of like, the 18th century, you know, here's the aristocratic French. And then it's got graffiti all over it yeah. because, you know, yeah, they're bastards. Exactly. And, you know, they'll have like ben Benjamin Franklin, like smoking pot and shit like that. It's a, it's it's a very artsy place. It's a very artsy place. Yeah. So the Amber Bastard, this was by far my favorite really? drink that I had there. Huh. So that's the one you recommend. Bastard yep. Brewing. Bastard Brewing. And they're amber. That's my go-to. Yep. All right. Well, don't say you've never learned something from this show because now you just learned what beer to get in Iceland. So. Mm -hmm. And then they, they have a couple other brands that I didn't really try because they kind of came off as like the 
the Bud Light of their ah. of their or the Miller Light of their. Of See, their I feel country, like that's so. that's the first one I'd be trying. That's the first one I'd be like, what is their day to day beer like? Yeah, so it'd be like Viking. I think is it better than our day to day beer because it's not hard to beat that. And then I did have an Einstock um, White Ale, and that was also really good. It was good. That sounds good. It was, yeah, kind of had a slight juicy flavor to it, which was interesting. Um, (laughs) So start me off with, uh, well, now we just did did beer, but uh, let's go to your favorite part of that trip. Okay. Favorite spot. We're going to jump just like right to the, the, this is like, the climax of the the film plot right here. Give it to me. Give it. Give me the good stuff right away. Volcanoes, man. The volcanoes. They, we saw an active volcano. Oh, yeah. So here's a picture of us coming up to the volcano. We could see very big plumas miles away. Yeah, the plume of smoke coming out of the volcano. What looks like a uh, lava field or old. Oh, this is an old lava field here. Yeah. So you could tell because there's moss on it. Ah, um, yes. So it's 2000 years old. Yes. Um, and so we get close. We got pretty close to it. Um, I don't know the distance, but I, we could basically see the caldera is not the right word. They, they always called it a dome, basically. OK, um, so we could see the dome where the lava was spewing out. I can and... see that. I can see actual magma. Yeah. I, yeah. I got to see magma with my eyes, with my yes. eyeballs. I saw magma, um, which sounds like a great song name. <laughs> With my ball, with my eyeballs, <laughs> I saw magma. <laughs> with my balls. <laughs> Anyways, um, so yeah, you saw it, and that's so. I'm looking at this picture. It's across a what looks like a recent lava field, but with some moss in there. No, uh, yeah, there's no moss in this one. This is that's not moss. Is that just like this sulfur? is still actually uh, cooking's not the right word. Cooling. But it's cooling slowly. I can see the smoke coming up. Yeah, I'm looking at orange. In yeah. the picture, I can see uh-huh. it spewing from the top. That yeah. is so. This this had been going on for I think three or four months at this point. Um, so they they estimated that it was sixty percent through its activity. Okay, or something like this. So this was pretty well um, well visited at this point, right? So gotcha. they created like roads so that, and paths so you can get up and view the volcano. Gotcha. And they, they had helicopter tours too, and people were okay. doing that. Um, nice yeah wow yeah and it was oh wow it's just really spewing isn't it yep so it, you can it, see. it's like looking at a jacuzzi tub of just flaming i know there were many lord of the rings jokes that i made you have along to. yeah you gotta flaming hot magma yeah you have i you know I, I think i made the joke to my dad and it's like hey i'm sam i'll carry you if we got to <laughs> i'll carry you <laughs> i love it i love it and so our, our tour guide for the whole week here um, went with us. And uh, it was actually the first time he had ever walked to see a volcano. Really? This was the third volcano he had seen in his life. And the other two, because of winter, they happened in winter, He would they would drive up to it, basically. Wow. And watch it. Yeah. Okay. That's really cool. Yeah. So this is the first volcano he had ever walked to. So this you was actually can a- see where all the fresh flow is. I, it's, so what I'm looking at is a... The outside area is all brown and older rock. And then there's just this lake of black. Yes. Huge amount of fresh, mm. yeah. you know, basaltic earth. earth. Yeah. That's fresh earth right there. Mm. It's very cool to think about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like you could, 
you know, we saw people early on, like towards the edge, that's probably been, you know, solidified, solidifying rather. It's still in the process. Yeah. Um, but for months, so we saw people standing on that. Okay. Um, and so, you know, it, it was really cool. It, it yeah. was a once in a lifetime experience to be able to see that. Um, and then I got to get you to this. Wow. Next photo. So this is <laughs> uh, Jake had made my brother, my younger brother had made a joke that we were thanking him for, you know, because he, he would kind of change some stuff about the tour process okay. um, because it was just our family and basically him in a van because we realized we could do way more. Yeah. than if you're on a bus where you got to wait for 40 other people. Yeah. To all get on the same page. So anyways, he had made a joke that we were going to give him some peanut M&Ms. And so we brought them up on the hike to the, <laughs> to the, <laughs> to the volcano. volcano. <laughs> and so you, we can, so we're looking at a picture of our guide laughing. Um, with a bag of peanut M&Ms in his hand. Bag of peanut M&Ms. Yep. So he looks happy. Yeah. He only ate a couple of them and then he gave the rest to us fat Americans. So. Yeah. He's probably got super sugary. Yeah. Um, so yeah, once in a lifetime experience, wow. super awesome. I got yeah. to see the fire, right? The yeah, the fire and ice. Basically, I got to see the fire, the fire and ice. Um, also, I did get to see the ice, the glacier, the glacier. Yes. So now, this is something I do have experience in. Is actually being on top of a glacier. Have you been on a glacier before? I That's have my been third on a glacier. That's my third question. I've been on a glacier in Alaska. Mm. I actually drank water from one of the little pools on top of a uh, glacier. I've I've done that too. It was the freshest water I've ever tasted in my entire life. Yeah, not not from Alaska, but from Iceland. But yeah, uh -uh. it is super fresh. It's been, think about this, it's been frozen for literally thousands of years. Yeah, probably has strains of polio in it. Yeah. <laughs> Still drink it. Um, who knows what kind of mammoth juices are in there? Some Neanderthal disease, I'm sure. Something. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, why am I losing? There we go. There we go. So now we're looking at some glacier photos that we have here and it's pretty good. It's pretty awesome. Um, so the <laughs> they had hand moved sanitizer. the bench. So they put hand sanitizer onto basically the, the side of the building. And so they had a bench where they would help you attach your, um your grips for your feet okay um and so the grip equipment and all that and to help size you and all that so they had the bench there and then they moved it so then they just had this arbitrary hand sanitizer like seven feet <laughs> off the ground just sitting there you got to parkour to it you know you got to really yeah. want to sanitize your hands you really got to want to have clean hands um so so one of the biggest things uh that kind of blew my mind was how much the glacier melted in the last 10 years um, so they actually have this display where they show literally it has receded almost 800 meters in a decade versus 1,200 meters in the previous eight decades. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so for them, they have no doubts about climate change. Like there's not, They're they don't literally have seeing it every day. They literally see it in their daily lives. Um, some of that's crazy. This this tour guide, which Logan just saw, he's an older man. Um, yep. So he remembers that back in the day in the 50s and 60s, they would give people the day off uh, just because it was like above 60 degrees Fahrenheit. Really? Because they're like, this is a beautiful day. Have the day off because it would literally only happen once or twice a year. 
So you get a warm day and you get it off because it's a nice, beautiful day. Go enjoy it. Yeah. For us, it was consistently breaking 70 degrees, like literally three quarters of the trip. Wow. And so basically this glacier is still adding, right? There's still material being added to the glacier because the glacier does move a couple meters every year forward. Yep. But it's melting at such a fast rate. They actually have to change the paths that they hike um, pretty much weekly. To, to stop disturbing the... Well, because it, the path will melt <laughs> and become unsafe. Oh. And then they have to like go somewhere else, basically. They have wow. to bring the tour somewhere else. Wow. Um, so yeah, they have, they have no, they have no doubts about, you know, uh, climate change because it's literally happening to them. Point being is, uh, at the Northern latitudes. Yeah. Latitudes. I used the right word there. Basically towards the Arctic circle. (laughs) Um, (laughs) the reason why the Northern hemisphere, the Northern, the North pole basically heats up faster than everything else is because of the fact that there's more uh, landmass up there okay. in terms of compared to the South Pole, right? So the South, the Antarctic Circle is mostly water, right? Yeah. There's very little landmass along the Ar- the Antarctic Circle, whereas the Arctic Circle, there's a lot of landmass. Yeah. And so landmass tends to take heat quickly. Yep. And, and in addition, exactly. And in addition to that, in the summer, remember, they have like... honestly it was like dark three hours a day right so they have long these super long days yeah where they're seeing sun exactly exactly and even though it's a low intensity sun because they have such a long exposure to the sun um and the you know co2 and methane these greenhouse gases are trapping the heat for a longer duration even though it's lower intensity of incoming light it basically heats up quicker Mm -hmm. man it's kind of sad to see how uh that glacier just disappearing yeah uh, and one of the interesting things that i i thought was because because they get so little direct light typically now the weather is kind of changing but because they get so little direct light on a on a annual basis the ash from previous eruptions actually insulates the ice from melting really yeah so you end up with these weird piles of icy ash everywhere yeah. where everything else melts around it because that used to formerly be like a pit where the ash would fall into the pit yeah. of the glacier. And now that everything's melting around it, it becomes a peak because it insulates it. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, that's kind of interesting science right there. Yeah. And you would never think that because you're like, ash is black. Like it should. Yeah. But it because... Should, because it's not direct sunlight. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So it acts as an insulator. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah, I, I actually learned stuff on this, which was, you know, for me, that's awesome. That now, is I know awesome. That's not most people's vacation, but... Um, so you could see some of these photos here and we'll, we might post a couple of these to our Instagram. Absolutely. But you could see like just the scale of this glacier and these, you know, the scale people. of people on top of it. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's pretty incredible. Um, so there's us getting the grappling gear on hiking through the ashy part. And so you could see what I'm talking about with yeah, all this just ash. piles of ash on top of this ice. And those parts melt slower than other parts. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it was a really cool experience. I'm sure yours was a really awesome experience. Yeah, and that was a long time ago, but it, I do remember it fondly. I do remember looking down a hole and the guide saying, if you fall down there, you're not coming back up. 
that's what I really remember. <laughs> that's what stuck with you. That's what really stuck. But also I was like a 10 year old kid, maybe. So, yeah. Well, and then they give you like these helmets too. When really in all honesty, you only needed the grappling gear. You didn't need anything else. The grappling gear is just like a foot thing that goes around your boot. That yeah. Grips. Just to grip some, some slippery material. Exactly. But they gave you helmets and pickaxes. And so you felt like you got the real experience. Um, ah. Definitely was add value. Yeah. Here's a crevasse here. Yep. Um, that's being formed by a, a literally a little creek flowing through um, the glacier. Yeah. And actually, speaking of being rescued, we didn't lose anybody, but uh, we did find a training crew. So they were ah. training to try to get people out, basically. To, yeah, rescue people who had fallen. Exactly. So they, they, this is this is them training. There was nobody that fell in, but pretty cool. I like it. I also like super it risky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. And so here's the traffic jam. This is a glacier, a glacial traffic jam right here. So we've got three crews all coming in at the same time. To the same spot. Yep. Into a juncture. Wow. Oh, what an experience. Yeah. So basically, and yeah, I all got of the this is in ice, one man. spot. Yeah. All of this is in one island. Um, there was something really kind of cool is that they they have a farm that has a bunch of greenhouses where they grow 40% of the basically the 40% of the island's consumption of tomatoes. You know, I was reading about this actually, how Iceland uses greenhouses now to grow food because growing food in greenhouses is a lot more productive and you can gain a lot more actual product of food out of it than doing like a farm in areas like Iceland. Yeah. So Iceland can really only grow potatoes and like onions, basically they're in grass in their natural, in, in their natural habitat. So yes. it's the, the grass is basically used to feed animals. Right. Yep. And some hipster way shots, you know, things like that. <laughs> um, but you know potatoes they can grow some of that but there's not a lot of great farmland um and so really the meat and fish are basically the primary thing that they produce with a little bit of potatoes and then this you know this is brilliant is to to and i've wanted this to be implemented everywhere in the u.s and europe but just everywhere is that like growing a tomato in California and then shipping it to Maine makes no sense for the, sense. for the nutritional value that you're getting out of it. It makes no sense. Especially for the, the catastrophic output it has on the environment. Yeah, exactly. You're And that's a great way to put it is what is the carbon emissions per calorie? And when you look at lettuce and things like that, like it's terrible. And so yeah. to be able to grow that in your country. Now, obviously they run off of geothermal energy. Yes. Um, which is awesome by its own point. Yeah, exactly. Actually, they have an aluminum uh, smelting facility where they import aluminum ore from South America and they process it because in Iceland, because they have this, you know, natural heat source, this natural heat source and carbon neutral technology. Right. Which is awesome. Yeah. Um, and now we're going to, so we're going to get into this really kind of cool thing here, um, which is, which is kind of a source of their uh culture of like resilience i guess okay. so i want to say and and they have this interesting dynamic between individualism and like creativity but also like a sense of uh communal duty right yeah um that they have a sense of duty to the community and so one of the things that they really 
have to go through all the time is are these volcanic eruptions, right? And they're on an island that's separated from everywhere else, right? Yeah, separated from the rest of the world. And so they really have to work together. Like that's like a, a constant kind of theme as you go through Iceland. Um, so on, the, they call it Westman Island, but it's really Hemame or something like that. I can't really pronounce it again. But um, so West, Westman Island is this fisher fisherman island kind of thing. And they there's only like 5,000 people, three to 5,000 people on the island. Pretty small. Like That's very actually small. more than I would have guessed on this island. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's not very big. I would have guessed three to 500. Yeah. They had a volcanic eruption, though, that expanded the size of this community by, um, or the island by like 20%, but it also destroyed, it looked like about a third of the community, of the buildings. Wow. Yeah. And so, and this happened in 1973. And so when you have to go through that, um, you know, people losing their homes or yeah. being threatened to lose their homes. And then you have to come back in and clean this up. Right. Uh, there's a, just a huge sense of, um, community among these people camaraderie exactly yeah and and so we we did hike up the dormant volcano and it's high like it's a huge ash pile that's you know you're overlooking the city basically um so let me see if i can pull up that photo uh where did it go here we go wow yeah yeah so the city used to go uh, all the way to that first, like through that whole first ash pile. Um, that's, and again, we might post this to our Instagram so you can kind of follow along here, but yeah, so that, that got just buried in all of this. Saw that. Yeah. Ash all and, that ash. Yep. And volcanic activity. Yep. Wow. And yeah, they literally had to dig out, you know, they, they, they would come back, they evacuated the whole Island the first day. And then the men were coming back, uh, to get their fisher fishing boats out. Uh, at certain points because they thought the the bay might get closed, the harbor might get closed because of the, the ash overflowing into the harbor. Um, and then they literally, again, they had to like dig lines. You know, that's one of the things that one technique that they do is they dig trenches basically. Okay. To slow it down um, or re-divert it a different direction. Yeah. Um, because they don't have like explosive blasts like you do in the uh, Pacific Rim. These are more like, you know, it's just spews out stuff for months and months basically wow it's kind of crazy to see just this town immediate next door to this massive ash pile that clearly buried previous people's homes yeah and i mean this type of eruption on this island only happens like once every five thousand years i think is what they said okay that's what at least science says Mm -hmm. yeah so every four to five thousand years they they find the they predict that that's when an eruption would happen. So, you know, now they can kind of build on that if you could build on it, but you got to get the moss first, man. The moss. You got to get gotta, that moss. That got to get that moss. You're not growing trees before the moss. Yeah. Um, so this island, though, has got these cliff sides. So Westman Island also has these cliff sides in which the uh, puffins, the penguins. Ah. Yeah, the puffin penguins. Now, back in the day, that used to be their only source of eggs. Right. So people, yeah. So they literally had people whose job it was, um, you know, who weren't the fishermen to basically go and pick eggs off the cliffside so that you had eggs. Puffin eggs. Puffin eggs. Yeah. The cute little puffins. Yeah. And so um, what they have is this little um, cliff where they tied a rope to the top of the cliff. And this is like adjacent to town. And so they tied a rope to the top of the cliff. And then at the bottom of the cliff, you would basically start to learn how to use ropes and how to climb on this, you know, practice cliff. Yeah. And they start their kids like at five, 
literally like resilience is part of their culture um especially on this island like this island apparently they're all like stupid athletic and they <laughs> are very much consistently like the middle school or high school you know country champions of so whatever all the sports uh, they do. all the olympic athletes come from this island uh a good portion of them yeah wow yeah so they really try to teach like their their kids resilience at a very early age and yeah. so you know that's part of their you know I'll just leave my child in the stroller outside the supermarket type of mentality. Make them stronger. Make them stronger. Yeah. What a way to be. Wow. So get, yeah. Giving them a, a independence basically. Yes. Early on. Now they did have a problem, I guess in the nineties with drinking because fun fact, they literally had a prohibition on alcohol up until that like works everywhere. Yeah. But up until the 1980s, they had a prohibition up until the 1980s. Yeah. In Iceland. Yes, seriously. Up until like the late 80s, they had a prohibition. Wow. Yeah. Well, no and wonder so, they got climate change all figured out for them. Wow, wow, they're doing it all right now. Nobody had alcohol in their systems for the longest time. And they're like, well, maybe we should care about the environment. Whoa, we noticed. We noticed these things. <laughs> yeah, you know that thing that happens when the Americans are asleep with their hangovers? Yeah, we see that happening. Yeah. Now, here's another question for you. Could you guess the only animal that is the only mammal, sorry, that is native to Iceland? Is it a goat? No, and it's not sheep either. It's foxes. Really? Foxes are the only native animal on the uh, native mammal on record. That is such a weird thing to think of. How is it just foxes? I don't know. They ate birds and basically there weren't even rats. Until the the first Viking settlers brought Came them on, over. on their ships. Yeah. yeah. Huh. That is crazy. So it's just foxes that are native for the mammals. Yeah. There were birds and all sorts of things, but yeah, well, there's going to be birds everywhere. They can fly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not impressed by birds being places. That's that. That's a fair point. <laughs> I'm impressed by foxes being there. That's cool. Um, I think. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, there's definitely way more. We saw waterfalls on waterfalls. Like, oh, yeah. Just beautiful nature in general. Plenty of those. Oh, yeah. Uh, we right. saw their old parliament where they used to do their their tribal meetings, basically, because okay. each city was really its own tribe, essentially, and they'd send a chieftain. So basically where people died. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess. But anyways, it's kind of their par- their parliament because it was a this place where it was kind of a river head and then they had this natural cliffside that would basically act as an amphitheater oh very smart of them to use that Mm -hmm. uh okay so i've got one question okay all right so one of our listeners let's just say hypothetically is planning a trip to iceland what is your one piece of advice for what to do or where to go in iceland Mm -hmm. definitely be efficient with the travel Okay. Right. So the issue is they are actually the size of Colorado, but okay. imagine that there's no way to get through the center of Colorado. Only around the outside. You can really only go around the outside. Gotcha. So it takes forever. Like there was literally, I think one day where I was like, I could have gone without that day. We did too much driving that day. Okay. I don't know why we went out this far. We saw something and I was like, yeah, it wasn't that great. I would have rather... You know, I've done something else. Gone back into Reykjavik or something. Okay. All right. So be efficient with your time and got it. Yeah, because you could get caught up in a lot of driving. Um, and so you're saying skip as much driving as possible and stick to the things that are beautiful closer to you? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
that that would be yeah be strategic about what you pick i definitely recommend a glacier tour um you know the active volcanoes i don't know what what's next on the schedule gotcha gotcha but yeah definitely the glacier tour is totally worth it did you go to any of the natural hot springs i did yeah we did um it was okay this hot spring was more of an overflow that we went to Um, okay it was okay did you get in i did go in was it warm yeah it was warm did you feel refreshed afterwards? Nah, I didn't <laughs> go to the Blue Lagoon. So the Blue Lagoon is the one that's right by the power plant. Okay. This is the one where an employee with psoriasis from the power plant back in the 80s decided, I'm going to just go into our wastewater pond, which usually for any other type of plant would be extremely dangerous to do. But because it's a geothermal plant, it's totally safe. Uh, and it turns out that it cured his or temporarily cured his psoriasis. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. So the Blue Lagoon's like the big one to go to. Um, gotcha. But you guys did not go there? Uh, no, we went to some different one, which is okay. It was, yeah. Gotcha. I don't have psoriasis, so it doesn't make a difference <laughs> to me. <laughs> you don't have psoriasis yet. Yet. It may make a difference to me someday. Yes. Um, well, and then we had this really cool stop where we just saw some uh, rafting tour, which I would totally do. Whitewater rafting, which we mentioned earlier in the episode. Yes. I would totally do whitewater rafting there. Um, okay. And they actually have you jump in to the water off of the rocks. So you're jumping about, I don't know, 15, 20 feet into the water. Wow. Which is freezing cold water, by the way. Yeah, it's good. It's not going to be warm. You're dressed for it, though. Um, but we happened to be driving by over a bridge when our tour guide noticed the, the rafters. And he's like, all right, we're going to stop here and watch them jump in. And we're like, what? And he was like, just trust me. It's worth it. Wow. Yeah, he was a cool guy. Uder, awesome guy. Uder. Uh, Uder. Yeah, so he did most of our touring. And then the first day in uh, Reykjavik, we did a tour of Reykjavik, and uh, Sarah was our tour guide. And she was she was really cool. She was very a uh, bubbly personality for sure. Gotcha. Um, also, tip if you do go uh, to Iceland is when you leave, you need to leave for the airport. Uh, if you're in Reykjavik, you need to leave three hours before your flight time. Really? Yeah, no joke. It's going to take that long to get through. All uh, they, yeah, so they get all of their flights in and out basically at the same time. Wow. Literally like four or five planes, boom, so at the once. same time. Let's get it done and over with. Yep. Like literally in the same hour. They all land within the same hour because it's literally like equal distance from, you know, basically Paris, uh, Berlin, and, you know, London as it is to, you know, New York, Newark, uh, Boston. So that's. So, Wow. Okay. Just, everything syncs up. Yeah. I'm sure they basically have three hours of like nothing after that. <laughs> and then a bunch of people arrive or leave at the same time. Uh, so it's really he- heptic in that airport. Um, but again, I do have to say uh, U.S. Customs is awful. <laughs> I, I don't think it's because of the employees. It's because our government chooses to underfund U.S. Customs. I have never been through a U.S. Customs line returning to my own fucking country. Getting back into my own goddamn country, I have to wait in line for a freaking hour, at least an hour. And Just to get back in. I hear I either I or other people I hear in the line miss their freaking flights. Because of it? Because customs, because the funding for customs dictates that apparently only like six freaking people should be working when there's literally 500 people in goddamn line. <laughs> like I, it's insane. It's, it's goddamn embarrassing. Like I get frustrated in the line because I'm like, this is absolutely terrible for the represent- representation of our country. They're not actually 
like inspecting anything or anything like that, that would slow them down. It's just, they're not funded to have enough people there. And the politicians are going through the freaking fast pass global travel lane and just looking like, Oh, that sucks. Like those are your goddamn voters. Like, wow. so I'm sorry. It's just, it irks me. I've gone on business trips, literally customs in other countries. I get through in less than half an hour. So what I've learned on this episode is uh, leaving America is great. Easy, coming, apparently. Coming yeah. back into America sucks ass. Yeah, yeah. You're like, and especially with COVID, I was like, we have so many, we have literally like 500 people in this room right now. <laughs> wow. And what? you got, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the other thing too that, that irks me is like, okay, so the, you know, the basically the rich people get the global fast pass. They get to go right through. And then all of the American citizens and immigrants and visitors get all treated the same and get put into this slow fucking line. Gotcha. Yeah. Sorry. All you right. can tell I have a disdain. I've missed flights before. So it you literally... can tell that Andrew needed to get this up his yeah, chest. Yeah, I did. I did. You know, we had a ridiculous overlay of like four hours, so it didn't matter. But I've had two hour overlays in which I missed my flight to get well, into my own country because one of them you got to meet bernie because of so i mean exactly so that works out i mean it works out but still that, why is why is that not what you brought up with bernie i i i wanted to i actually <laughs> that that actually came across my mind as i was i just wanted to be like you know does does congress just hate the average person because like i should not be packed in with 500 other people like a sardine in u.s <laughs> customs during a freaking pandemic that doesn't yeah. make any sense also i've missed flights previous to that because of yeah yeah oh man so well, that's the other advice yeah if you have a connecting flight into the country which i guarantee you will well and you, you want a three-hour overlay because <laughs> it's going to take you an hour and a half to get through life. just to get through <laughs> just to get through the custom part yeah yeah well i've got one question for you here andrew okay what is the most most interesting thing from your week Oh gosh. Um, so definitely it's, it's definitely the volcano, the volcano. Most interesting thing. That's what that takes the cake. Um, most interesting factoid though, that I learned is that Saturday in Icelandic is basically bathing day. Do they only bathe on Saturdays? Apparently they used to, Ah, but the, as the we all know, and as we all know, and the good Lord knows, Saturday's a rugby day. Saturday's a rugby day. <laughs> That's what it is. That's what it's meant to be. Saturday is a rugby day. Yeah. But no, yeah. Seeing a volcano up close was just, you know. I, I, yeah. That's got to be a really cool, cool thing. Absolutely. Especially because most volcanic eruptions or a good portion of volcanic eruptions that you see up close usually kills you. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so seeing one that's not going to kill you is a very exhilarating uh, effect. Yeah. There's only a couple places. Yeah. Like Iceland and like uh, Hawaii that have these slower eruptions. Uh, I'm sure there's a couple in like not necessarily Indonesia, but the uh, you know that portion of the uh, the Pacific Rim. But yeah, well, if should, yeah. If you see Mount St. Helens up close, you know it's too late, man. <laughs> like <laughs> or Yellowstone. Yellowstone's yeah. next on the list, right? The mega, the mega volcano. Yeah, yeah. Oh. That's gonna be fun. I really don't have a most interesting thing from the week. My week wasn't that interesting. Would you like uh, me to give you one? Give me one. <laughs> Honestly, this is probably the most interesting thing for my week is learning about Iceland as I sit here. Uh, yeah, um, I, 
Go ahead. Really, my week was, you know, started off being sick and then kind of cleared up in the middle of it. I was able to go to work and then regular week stuff happened. Yeah. Did you get a COVID test? I got a COVID test. I did actually take a COVID test because I was sick and I was like, got to take a COVID test because you're feeling symptoms. of. This is. This is the first time I took a COVID test. The first time? <laughs> I've taken like six of them. I, well, one, I've been mostly working from home. It's and true. so if I felt sick ever, I would just like wait one or two weeks before even considering going in to work yeah. or anywhere. So yeah, it's worked out. I have taken at least six COVID tests and paid for two of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So anyway. Uh, actually, I did take a COVID test this week, so that was kind of. I'll be taking my second one this week. Ah, <laughs> yes, I'll be catching up. <laughs> well, let's move on to what have you learned, oh, Andrew? What have you learned? Um, so actually, here's what I've learned is, and I didn't say this on the episode yet, but um, I highly suggest doing this is now with your phones, what you can do when you take a you know, picture. Yeah, you could do this for like a decade, but you know, I'm slow, so it took me this long to realize it. I'm slow is too. Add a t- as much as you can into the description, basically that same day. Really? So take a picture, add into that description on that photo on your phone, and that basically is your journal, right? Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's t- I. It blew my mind when I started doing it. I was like, oh my god, this. So is- you take a picture and you can write down your thoughts immediately onto that picture. Yeah, exactly. Anytime you pull up that picture, there's your description. Yep. You can flick back to the description and be like, oh, this is what I thought when I took this. Like, that's really like. That is cool. Yeah. It it blew my mind. And I started doing that. That is something I just learned that, Andrew, because of you. And I just, I remember things much more vividly now about this trip because I looked at. Took the time to write some things down. Exactly. That is awesome. Andrew, you taught me something. And for that, you get the. uh, I'm going to teach you about ice badge. <laughs> I feel like should you should have taken like any Iceman uh, line from Top Gun yeah. as the badge name. I wish I just had Top Gun Iceman quotes in my head. Yeah. You know, if you wrote them down when you took pictures. <laughs> but <laughs> got me. Got me. Yeah. After a 22 on more, you'd remember it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, bummer. Um, so yeah, that was, that's what I learned. That was a huge life hack and super happy about it. I learned that after a volcanic eruption takes about 2000 years for trees to start growing, you got to wait for the moss and then you got to wait for the, to die and then grow again and then die and then grow again. Yep. Uh, then I learned that to tell how it's raining in Iceland is if just stones are wet, (laughs) which is a very weird way to know that it's raining. It's, it's nature's litmus test. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think I could tell before looking at stones, if it's raining or not, but it's one of their dad jokes. Every culture has them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's true. That's a fair point. Oh, Andrew, any last thoughts? Um, well, I, I would have to say, yeah, now that, I mean, hopefully post-COVID, like everyone should get out and, uh, you know, travel to places to really experience the culture there. Um, Absolutely. You can do that in the U.S. too. You don't even have to go that far. Yeah. Um, experience somebody else's world. And write it down in those pictures that you take 
um, even if they're unrelated necessarily directly to that picture. Yeah. You know, let's say you go to some festival or something, you, you know, take a picture of a band or something. You can write about some experience that you had, you know, interacting with somebody that was just getting you a drink or something that you thought was really funny. Yeah. You know, I love it. I like that idea. I like that idea a lot. Andrew, thank you for sharing about Iceland and for teaching us all something. I, yeah, I really appreciated this. Oh man. We do. Also, we do like to learn here at dude scouts every once in a while. We do like to learn. It, it's Hey, if you're not learning, you're doing nothing, right? That's we're we're all about casual growth. Casual. <laughs> Let's keep it casual though. got to keep it. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it casual jeans, nice shoes, <laughs> NASCAR t-shirt. <laughs> oh. I'm in the back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today, Andrew. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. Toodles. Toodles. Thanks for listening to another episode of Dude Scouts. Please validate our fragile selves by giving us a follow on Instagram or send us an email at dudescoutspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again. Toodles.